This is Abnormal Entertainment. California. This is Unprotected Sports with Tony and the Lion coming at you live with our 109th effort. I am Tony. He is the Lion. Leo, what up? What's not 100% is these collapses and chokes that the NBA teams are having in the playoffs. And that's why March Madness is a thousand times better. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Leo, because... uh, Usually in the NBA playoffs, it's pretty straightforward. The better team wins, the higher seed wins, you win at home. And yet in these NBA playoffs, I don't know if it's because Adam Silver's the commissioner and there's like a new directive or something, but the home teams are only 38 and 32, which is I'm nothing close to what it's been in years mm-hmm. past. They're calling fouls on three-point shots a lot. In this year's playoffs, they never have done that before. It's, it's it's almost ridiculous. And like you said, we're seeing comebacks. We're seeing home teams losing. And uh, despite that, though, despite that, the Heat are through with relative ease to the Eastern Finals. The Spurs are through, at least in the second round, with relative ease mm-hmm. over the Blazers, even though they were pushed to seven in the first round. Uh, that was that was just a white whipping. Gabe Lempert's Portland Trailblazers had a great year, but. Kind of went out meekly in the second round. Obviously, the one series that people are talking about right now, since we're just going to go ahead and go run with this NBA thing for a second here, um, the OKC Clippers series, which is the most competitive of the four in the second round. It was the one where people were both kind of picking both ways. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the series may have just turned irreparably in against the Clippers and in favor of OKC with Game 5. We have to talk about it, and we'll tell you too, folks, there's a ton to talk about. Obviously, we have reaction to the NFL draft in this show. Um, you know, we'll have some, some things to say about that. Uh, I've been to the last two Kings-Ducks playoff games, which is amazing. They're going to a Game 7 on Friday. Tomorrow, uh, we're recording here on a Thursday, so... Uh, obviously, I'm on pins and needles about that. We'll have some thoughts about hockey and, and of the Kings Duck series. But let's stick with this OKC Clippers thing here. Leo, Game 5, it's a 2 2 series. The Clippers had just come from, what, 16 down in the fourth quarter to take Game 4. So it looked like OKC was going to take total control of that series, but then it goes to 2 2. Then the Clippers are dominating OKC in Game 5. They're winning pretty much the whole game. They're up 7 with 49 seconds left. And. A, a, a total collapse. A total collapse. Who, who collapsed? Who collapsed? Chris Paul or the officials? With controversy. I was going to say yeah. that. Who do you assign? And you folks have seen the game by now, so you know uh, what ended up happening in Game 5. And look, Game 6 is going to be played later tonight, so this series might be over as you hear this show. I don't know. But who do you ascribe the blame to? Chris Paul and the officials. So Chris you say Paul both. Wrote. You say Chris, both. That was, a, that was one of the biggest chokes I've ever seen. Was it not? Three plays in a row at the end that he totally choked. And twice where you, you can't you can't just turn the ball over like that twice in a row. Twice in a row. You can't do that. Yeah, it's really unbelievable when you consider the fact that, you know, when Durant laid that ball in, cut the lead to two, you still have the ball up two. You yeah. should still win this game. Well, you should at least go They're going to foul you. I mean, at, what at are you doing? At least go to overtime. Make one. Maybe just go to overtime at least. But it's like... 
why is he dribbling the ball where it could be stolen there? Just hold. I mean, it was just inexplicable that he had the ball just hold stolen the ball there and get fouled. And we know what happened on the call. And I'll get to that in a second. But uh, you know, then OKC gets the ball. They're still down two. You're still in a good position to win this game. You're still up two, mm-hmm. and you foul a three point shooter. And it was that was clearly a foul. We don't need to talk about the officiating for that one. He clearly got him uh, in the kind of in the middle of his forearm. Really, I mean, it's mm-hmm. clearly a foul, not even close. Um, and that was absolutely the right call by the official in that case. And then so now they're down one, still time, still plenty of time, and he doesn't even get the shot off. And I know some people are saying, "Well, we got fouled on that," but you can't be that careless dribbling the basketball in that situation. You, you don't. They rarely, rarely call fouls on the dribble like that. When you're kind of where you're semi out of control, unless it's a blatant foul, yeah. right? Right. I mean, we saw last night. Did you see the game last night where they blatantly, like LeBron hit hit um, Paul Pierce on the arm, and the ball went out of bounds. Right. And did you see that? I did. That was uh, on blatant, replay, I didn't see yeah, it live. That was a blatant foul, unbelievable foul. Luckily, they gave the ball back to Brooklyn, but they didn't call that. They rarely do call those fouls. Yeah, and you know, if you're wondering why I didn't watch that live, as you may or may not know, Leo, you probably forgot, I was at Staples Center last night watching my LA Kings stay alive against the Ducks. Yeah, they got lucky. Stay alive, winning 2-1, to one, and we'll get to that later. But getting back to this OKC call, okay. So, at first, I was with Doc Rivers on the call where, you know, the play where Chris Ball got the ball stolen from him. This is when uh, the Clippers are still up by two. It's like 16 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul gets the ball stolen. Reggie Jackson picks the ball up, and he tries to go down the middle to lay it in to tie the game. And Matt Barnes kind of makes some contact with them. Not blatant contact, but it kind of makes some contact with them. The ball goes out of bounds. They award the ball to OKC. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, wow, they're going to get another chance here. But, of course, we know, well, it's under two minutes. They're going to go to the replay. And the replay appears to show that the ball does go off Jackson. Mm-hmm. But then you're thinking, well, but... Barnes kind of maybe reached in a little bit, but you can't just retroactively call a foul. Yeah. So we're th- I'm thinking, oh shit, this ball is going to go to the Clippers. Yeah. This ball is going to the Clippers. And they ended up keeping the ball with OKC. Doc Rivers went ballistic at the time. He couldn't believe it. The Clippers were actually diagramming an inbounds play for offense, believe it or not. As this was going on, they were convinced that it was going to be yeah. their ball. So as we know, it ends up going to OKC and you know what happened. And so after the game, obviously, Doc Rivers said, well, he actually said, we got robbed. This is a series-defining call. We got robbed. And I can, you know, I can see how he felt in the sense that, you know, even if the Clippers end up winning this series in seven, it's still, that's a call you can never get back. I, I see his point. But I saw the wording of the rule the next right. day. Because I was on Doc Rivers' side. Yeah. I thought, this is a bullshit call. Yeah, you, you, you can't call a retroactive foul. Right. Right, and that's what did, I thought also. And it did go off Jackson, even though the, the NBA later said, "Well, there wasn't a conclusive replay," which is bullshit. But there's Fuck something the there's something in the rule that says if the defensive player creates contact mm-hmm. that causes the offensive player to lose the ball, possession shall retain with the offensive team. So that's why. So, so that's why the, the Brooklyn play. Yes. Or LeBron. Well, it went off, off on Pierce, but LeBron totally... His hand his was on out. the arm, so they, they keep the ball with the offense. Okay. And I actually, by that letter of the law, they technically got the call correct. And mm-hmm. and I think also, maybe by the moral compass of the universe, maybe they got the call correct. Because mm-hmm. he did foul it. You know, it wasn't a blatant foul, which is why I said you can't just... 
you know, I don't. I think if you have replay and you're going to go to it, you can't just ascribe a foul retroactively. However, if you have it written in the rule, if it causes the contact, if but, it causes the loss of the how ball, I don't know if it really did though. And in certain situations, well, I think in other words, it gives the officials an out. It gives them an out to say, okay, we looked at the replay. It, it went off Jackson, but it, it wouldn't have if he wasn't fouled. So we're just going to give him the ball. Because that's what the officials used to do all the time before replay. Yeah, the ball would clearly go off one team. And instead of calling a foul, they would just award the ball to them and not award a foul. So that, yeah. in other words, so guys wouldn't foul out and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of a, almost like a, a it's kind of like a go between, I think. But having seen that written as part of the rule, I think they got the call right. And yeah, I place the blame with Chris Paul. You're supposed yeah. to be the best point guard in the league. You're supposed to, you know, this is your ninth year in the league. You've never been past the second round of the playoffs. This is an, a winnable series, and I know they have Kevin Durant and Westbrook, but Oklahoma City has flaws. We've talked about it on this yeah. show. This is a winnable series, and it still might be, but this is a – I mean, you just make the normal plays down the stretcher. You're going home up 3-2, and you've got a chance to close them out, and you know, and this story with the Clippers kind of in defiance of their racist owners, basically that's been the narrative right now, could have picked up even more momentum. The country mm-hmm. might have gotten behind them. Who knows? And exactly. So, just a question, question loss. We'll see if they have the, the intestinal fortitude, as they say, to come back on this. But uh, I'm going to just ask you straight out, Leo. Who wins tonight and who wins the series if the Clippers win tonight? Okay, see, wins tonight. You think they close them yes. out? Yeah, I kind of think the same thing. I think they're, you know, when a head coach is that demonstrative in saying we got robbed, mm-hmm. I think it's a letdown. I think, I, I and, and he's not, I mean, unless he just changed the next day and changed his tune up to the team in private and said, you know, to get him fired up, I mean, I know they're going to have their home fans, but yeah, I kind of think Durant shows up tonight. He didn't have the greatest game in Game uh, in Game Five. Westbrook had a really good game, had thirty eight mm-hmm. points, but uh, yeah, I think Durant shows up tonight, and I think they get it done. Um, and that would not pain me because, as you know, I'm a Clipper hater. Yeah, that you are. I am, but I'm also objective. Like I said, when I when I first didn't when I didn't know about that rule at first, I thought mm-hmm. they got screwed. I thought they got fucked. It was a bullshit call. But having seen the rule, I, I just don't think you can quibble with it. So uh, the other playoff series, let's touch on that real quick before we take our first break here. Um, the Heat are in the East Finals. No big surprise that they got by the Nets in five, although the Nets did put up a fight to their credit in game five, the old veterans that they are. But the Heat the Heat move on, and they will play the winner of this game going on right now between, uh, well, not this game, this series, between the Wizards and the Pacers. The Indiana Pacers are currently up by 10 points on the road in Washington midway through the second quarter. I cannot figure this team out. Leo, I'm done. I'm done trying to figure this Indiana team out. I thought this series was going to be over. I thought they were going to lose this series meekly when they only split the first two at home. Mm -hmm. Then they go on the road and they beat Washington two on the road and look great. And then they go home for a closeout game five and they lose by like... They might have lost by 100. They might as well have lost that game by 100. They weren't even trying. Seriously, they got out-rebounded 62-23. to that's impossible. They weren't even trying. It was it was it was absolutely unfathomable. And yet here they are on the road, and they're up ten. And they'll and, probably win. They'll yeah, probably win this. They probably will win this. The Washingtons only scored twenty seven points, uh, and there's six forty nine to go in the second quarter. So I am done trying to figure out this Jekyll and Hyde Indiana team. I don't know when they want to show up. I have no idea. What I do know is that Miami should wipe the floor with them. Wouldn't you agree? You would think, but who knows anymore? <laughs> I, I think Miami's kicked it up another gear in the playoffs. I think it's obvious that they were, you know, they, they kind of do with Wade what uh, 
what the Spurs do with Tim Duncan and so many of their stars yep. during the season. They give him plenty of rest. They just flat out don't play him in a lot of games. And this is their time. And I think Spolstra's done a really good job with managing the minutes. I think they didn't care that they were the number two seed in the East. They, they, they have no issue with going into Indiana and winning, I think. And with the way Indiana's played over the last few months, I, I can't see them beating the Heat. I just, I mean, last year they took them to seven. It was very competitive. It was very close. And for much of this year, I thought, wow, they've got a shot. But mm-hmm. I, I just can't see it happening. And switching to the West, um, we already mentioned the Blazers bowing out in the second round. I thought it would be a much more competitive series. I thought their athleticism could maybe give uh, the Spurs you know, a lot of competitive games. I thought maybe it could go six or seven. Uh, but the Blazers only able to win one game at home. That was when they were down three games to none. Uh, were you surprised by that? And do you think this is more indicative of the Spurs kind of rising up after a lackluster first round? Or do you think the Blazers just weren't ready? The Blazers weren't ready for a team that has the longevity and experience. The playoff experience. And, you know, you can attribute the first series that the Spurs played. You know, interdivision rivalry, interstate rivalry, another older, experienced team of Dallas. They do have a lot of older players. And in the playoffs, that counts for a lot. Portland doesn't have any experience. True. And San Antonio just knows how to play playoff basketball. And it'll be interesting. They play against OKC. That's going to be a great series. They play against the Clippers. I think San Antonio sweeps them. Interestingly, San Antonio, as we know, they've had some problems with OKC. Uh, they didn't have a good record against them in the regular season this year. They've, uh, I believe they lost their last time the two teams played in the playoffs, which was two years ago. Uh, and so I would ag- tend to agree with you. I would think they would prefer the Clippers, um, even though the Clippers, you know, the Clippers kind of, you would say, oh, they have some athletic advantages too, but that's what we thought about Portland. And I think I would agree with you. I think their playoff experience would probably tend to carry the day. Against OKC, with the experience of Durant um, in the last few years, uh, I know he hasn't won a title, but he's gotten pretty far. Uh, and I would agree. I just think Durant's length presents more problems for for OKC and Westbrook's uh, quickness. You know, Chris Paul's a great point guard, but he's not the same type of player. Uh, Tony Parker can neutralize him, I think. So I would agree with you. I think OKC would have a much better chance. Can he neutralize him with a neutralizer? I don't know. You don't know anything. I don't. I don't know that. Apparently okay. not. All right. Time for our first break here, Leo. We'll come right back on the other side. Unprotected. Okay, Leo, we are back, and before we turn our attention to the NFL and the NFL draft, let's get a little hockey talk in right here, because not only are Mike King still involved and the local Anaheim Ducks still involved, but uh, let's just start over in the East, and I'm starting in the East first, I'm going to save the Kings for last, because your Montreal Canadiens are still in the playoffs, they beat... The Boston Bruins coming from behind. I know you were pissed last week when they lost that game in overtime. Yeah. Would have put them up three games to one. Boston ended up taking a 3-2 lead in that series. But Montreal won on home ice in game six. And then in game seven, Boston played a bad game. The Habs took advantage of a couple of defensive lapses. They win three to one. Actually, all three goals were defensive lapses. Actually, I saw, saw all three goals on replay since I was at the Kings game. And, yeah, the first play, they just failed to mark a guy right in front of the net for an easy tap-in. Second goal, they should have carried the puck out of the zone. The guy overskated it and ended up as a two-on-one down low. The guy roofed the shot and made it. And then the third goal, they put it in off the uh, defenseman, Chara. They put it in off his skate. So all three goals were defensive lapses. But nonetheless, Montreal, with their good goaltending and their 
uh, all-world defenseman P.K. Subban, who you know I like Leo because he is uh, very black and pro- you know the dark the, the darker the berry, the sweeter the juice. But- I, I just think is he brothers with with the former pitcher for the Royals. Jeff Supan? <laughs> no, I don't think that he is. Interestingly, though, Leo, I'm not sure if you know this. The Boston Bruins' first-round pick last year yeah. was P.K. Subban's younger brother, who's really? like 19, who's a goalie. Interesting. They, so, and, and the reason are I... Th- they, are, they, are they French Canadians? I don't think they're French Canadians. They are Canadian, but I don't okay. think they're French Canadians. There's, there's a lot of black... French Canadians. Yeah, no, I think there's because I've heard PK Subban talk. He just sounds like no, you no. know an American. Okay. You would think, um, of course, but I'm sure he says offense and things like that. But uh, th- uh, there was a lot of kind of racial overtones to this series with a lot of the Boston players kind of taunting Subban, and of course the crowd very. Was well, Boston? They're very. It's a, it's a racist city. Totally was kind of egging him on and things like that, and. They have his brother in the pipeline as yep. a goalie in future years. So they probably just, don't know that, you know. They, a lot of the fans probably don't know it. You're right, but the Habs are moving on. The Canadians moving on, and they will play surprisingly. The Rangers. The Rangers knocked off the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the shocking thing here is the Penguins were up three one in this series. They couldn't close it out on home hey, ice you in know, game you know what five. I call that? You know what I call that? Two hands to the throat. Henrik Lundqvist is what Two I call it. Two hands. To the, as they say in the Bahamas, trot. The trot. Lundqvist has now won, I want to say, his last five game sevens. The fantastic Swedish goaltender of the New York Rangers. I've told, I've talked about him. He's almost like a Dominic Kashuk for this team. This is not a very good team around him. I mean, they did make the trade for Martin San Louis, but he's 36 years old now. They have Brad Richards, but this is, they have Rick Nash, who's been very disappointing. They don't have a great defense. I mean, this is not a great team around Henrik Lundqvist, and he just shut down Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I was very surprised that they blew a 3-1 lead there. Uh, but once it went to Game 7, I was not surprised that the Rangers won because any time it goes to one a one-game situation and you have a goalie that's that good, you always have a chance. Yep. Always. And so it's just a very surprising Eastern Conference Finals. It really could go either way. Rangers, Montreal. I give the slight edge to your Montreal Canadiens, Leo, just because Carey Price is also a very good goaltender. Mm-hmm. He just backs up Canada to the to the gold medal. So he's a very good goaltender. And I think they have a little bit more around him. I think they have a pretty solid defense, again, with Subban. Yeah. And I, I, and like I, lo- I love Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty, very right. good player. Yeah. Very good player. So uh, I do favor the Canadians slightly there. Now let's move to the West, Leo. The Blackhawks are already in the Western Conference Finals once again. Last year's Stanley Cup champions, and they have returned to the Western Conference Finals. It could be a rematch with the Kings. We'll see. Kings and Ducks has just been a highly competitive series. Both teams have scored 13 goals, so the aggregate is even. Uh, Obviously, this this series turned really when the Kings couldn't win Game three or four on home ice. That was when they could have taken a stranglehold on it. Because remember, they won the first two on the road in Anaheim. And so I was thinking, gosh, yes, if the Kings can just win one of the next two, they're sitting pretty. They couldn't do it. Bruce Boudreaux surprisingly starts the young rookie, John Gibson, who played three games in the regular season. He puts him in in game four. He stones the Kings. How is that possible? He absolutely the, the Kings, stoned them. the Kings think they had the game one before? No, no I, abs- I don't think so. I mean, I think he, it was a surprise move by Boudreaux to, to have him be the starter. Was, was it a Jack move? It was a surprise thing. Okay. It was. And so, 
you know, they just the, the first period the the Ducks had a good first period, and I thought it should have been one nothing Ducks, but they got a good bounce and a break and got up two nothing at the end of the first, and that was kind of big. And the Kings dominated the next forty minutes, and they couldn't score. Mm-hmm. They could not score. I think the Ducks had no shots on goal in the second period of Game Four. Literally, what? literally no how's, shots. How's that possible? I, I'm I, I'm not even exaggerating. They had zero shots in the second period. I think the shots from the second period on were like twenty six to five in favor of the Kings, and they, they couldn't score. They lost two nothing, and then Game Five, which I went to here in, in Honda Center in Anaheim, ended up being a four to three Ducks win. A game where the Kings had way too many defensive lapses in the second period, and the Ducks scored three goals in the second period. Mm-hmm. And the Kings tried to come back. They made it a game. They cut it to four to three with six minutes left, but it was not enough. And this game last night at Staples Center, Game 6, more of a Kings style of game, a grinding game. The Ducks didn't have a bunch of wide-open scoring chances like they have in previous games in the series. So Jonathan Quick didn't have to make as many fantastic saves. Uh, the final minute was very frantic as the Ducks pulled the goalie to try to tie it. But other than that, I thought the Kings... And it, was a, it was a good bum rush at the end. They had a chance. They had chances. They, they, yeah. they were just absolutely sending bodies to the net. There was a... Just a huge scrum in front of the net with like ten yeah. seconds left. I was and, and there was and, uh, there, and there was there was a couple penalties they didn't call. Well, you know the king. If there's any doubt with ten seconds left, you got to take a penalty or make the refs call because well, they should have called it because there's a couple people that got tripped, got pushed in the back. But there was a Ducks player I did see. There was a Ducks player who. Uh, tripped up a Kings defenseman behind the net. They totally didn't call that. Oh, I didn't and see that. So it was basically anything goes in the last 10 seconds, and the Kings did hold on. Game 7 for all the marbles. I, I mean, I'm nervous. I think it could totally go either way. This is a 13-13 series in goals. So mm-hmm. neither team has dominated the other. I think every game except for Game 4, which the Ducks won 2-0, um... Well, that wouldn't be true because I guess the Kings won one of the games by two goals. Yeah, the Kings won game two, three to one because they got an empty netter. But every game has been very close. There hasn't been a team just totally dominating. And so, I mean, I tend, I hopefully this doesn't come back and haunt me, I tend to favor my Kings slightly only because they have Jonathan Quick. And yep. Gibson has been good, but he did allow a soft goal in the last game. He, had a, he allowed a bad goal to Trevor Lewis. And yeah, Derek, trickled through the pads from like 30 feet out as a bad goal. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's a little, um, you know, Jeremy Lin in the armor. And so. What do you mean, Jeremy Lin in the armor? A, a, a Jeremy Lin in the armor. A walk in the armor? No. I, 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 I did that one for you, the quasi racist of the show. Oh, oh, you mean. Oh, okay. You, you mean it. You could. You could. You could uh, it, it's as thin as like dental floss or something. It, it would be like the Houston broadcast team saying that his he has a chink in the armor. Oh, okay. okay Remember, and they you. got reprimanded for that it's or something. Not bad. I mean. So, any anyway, uh, I slightly favor my Kings because of the presence of Jonathan Quick. But with a power play as good as the Ducks, uh, that's going to be a key. The Kings cannot take penalties in Game Seven. Uh, I think another key is the fact that the Kings are still missing two of their best stay-at-home defensemen, Willie Mitchell and Robin Ruggiero, have not been able to play in the series at all. And that could end up being a factor. The Kings are making a lot of giveaways inside their own blue line. It didn't really cost them in the last game. Actually, it did cost them on the one goal. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fantastic seventh game, I think. I hope. I may go to it. We'll see. So, Leo, I am on pins and needles. Who do you have? Who wins? Um, I'm going I'm to go with the Kings. They're the cardiac kids. You know, they just don't let a game seven 
they still let a um, an elimination game get them down. They're the cardiac kids. Well, they do have a six and one record in their last seven uh, postseason playoff elimination games. Uh, the only loss coming last year in Game Five to the Blackhawks in overtime to lose in the Western Finals. So they obviously have the recent playoff experience. The Ducks did win the Cup in 07, but since then I think they've only won a couple of playoff series. So the recent history advantage does go to the Kings. But as I said, the Kings are a little bit more banged up than the Ducks, and the Ducks are at home. So I I really think it could go either way. All right, Leo, are we ready to switch our attention to the NFL? Uh, That should have been the first topic because it's the best sport going around. Well, The NBA should never lead off this show ever. We set it up. Ever. We, we, get, we teased it for the fans a little bit. We, we're making them listen to the show a bit before we okay. go to the NFL. Okay. So I know, look, we're going to talk about the draft. I have tons of reaction to that. I am the draft guru. But I know you want to talk specifically about Michael Sam. So we're going to do that. But let me set this up for the fans first. I mentioned on the show last week, obviously, it would be interesting to see where he ended up if he got drafted at all. He did get drafted at number 249 overall in the seventh round by the Rams. There were only eight picks left before the draft would have been over, so he almost didn't get picked at all. The Rams finally picked him. Obviously, they were, in, in general, they were lauded on social media for you know for making the pick. I think it certainly was a value pick in the sense that, I mean, he's the co-defensive player of the year in the SEC. He's certainly worth a seven-round pick just on his game tape. Uh, I, I mean, I think he probably was worth a fourth-round pick, honestly. I think he fell because of, of, obviously, the, you know, teams were afraid of the of the gay thing. But, uh, Leo, with that said, we know the Rams picked him. I'm obviously very happy about that, not just as a Ram fan, but just that we were the team to, to have the courage to make a pick like that. Yeah, and, and because you're a gay fan. Uh, of course. And the Rams, interestingly enough, were the first NFL team to have a black player on their roster. Really? Uh, I believe a year or two before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball. They had, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah, they were the first team to so, sign a black player. So, the, so there's actually, it should be a new hero in America, and it shouldn't be Jackie Robinson. Well, he gets the notoriety because I think baseball was by far, baseball was like the NFL is now. It was yeah. America's sport. You know, and the NFL football wasn't really that popular back then, so mm-hmm. I think that's probably why. Um, so I, that, I think that would explain it. But you wanted to talk about Michael Sam as far as the news that broke today, and that is that the Oprah Winfrey Network, OWN, is going to be airing either a six- or an eight-episode documentary uh, covering, I guess, his... his uh, trying to make the Rams, trying to make an NFL team uh, mm-hmm. in training camp. And so, Leo, I know you have thoughts about that. Go. I think it's absolutely pathetic. I think it's a, it's a crock of shit. I think this guy is it did, did, now did all of this for the publicity. And you know what you do know about his agents? I saw his agent on ESPN earlier today, and I do have some thoughts about that, but I'll let you continue with your thought. Go ahead. It, it seems to have happened that the agents signed the deal with the Oprah Network for the reality show a month before the draft. I did hear about that. I heard about that. And it seems like this entire shit was planned. So do you think then The that- kissing, the cake, the crying, the this, the that... The, the, the second kiss, the kissing of the cake on the lips, the, the, the BS. It was all planned by the agents so that the reality show gets more publicity. It's all a money stunt. This, this guy, this guy is, is a fraud. He is a fraud. Before the draft, he says, 
All I care about is playing football with no distractions. I, just, I want to be a part of the team. I want no distractions. I just want to play football. You're a fucking fraud. The reality show is not a distraction, you idiot. The reality show is a distraction. There's going to be cameras in the locker room now. There's going to be cameras everywhere. Now that I want to respond to. That I, no, that, no, I'm not done yet. Okay, but I am going to respond to I'm that. I'm not done Go yet. Go ahead. That specific point you just mentioned, I the, do have there, a response. The, there is going to be cameras everywhere. You don't want to be a distraction, then then just go, get into training camp and work your ass off. And you and you and now you're doing a reality show. It, it, it's, it's absolute patheticness, and that's why I'm giving an award to Michael Sam. I'm going to give him the... Uh, what, what award are we giving him? The NIA of the week? If you want to call him an NIA, you can, but I do have... No, he's not an NIA. He's intelligent because he's going to make money on this. I do have some, some thoughts about this. First call- of all, one thing will change your mind. One thing immediately. What? And that is that there will not be cameras at all at the Rams facility at training camp. That The agent made a point to say that. Uh, it will just be presumably him getting interviewed when he goes home or and things home like life. that. It's not going to. The coaches will not be involved. They will not. T- the coaches will not be taking time. They will not be t- in meetings for the show. They will not be asking his teammates what they think. So apparently, it's just going to be. I assume talking to him when he goes home or off off um, okay, the well, field and things with that like being that. Said, so that's, Tony, that's one thing. I'm giving him the pussification of the week. Pause it. I'm giving him the pussification of the week, and I will give you my reasons why. I give you a lot right now, but I'll give you the reasons why. After the break, but he gets the pussification. Pussification of America. Pussification of America. Isn't it four two one five pussy way? Pussy, that's what she said to me. The pussification of this country, and I'm sick of it. Hodos, pussy willows. Hodos, pussy willows. Pussification of America. Pussy. Pussification of America. The pussification of this country, and I'm sick of it. Why does he get the pussification of America? Okay. Tony, has have you seen any draftee cry? They, tons. Yeah. Have you seen any of them cry as ridiculous as he did? Maybe not as ridiculous as he did, but I don't think anybody had his story either. But and I did see, I mean, Jadavion Clowney was waterworks, and he was the number one pick. He was waterworks, but he, waterworks. Wasn't, he wasn't that bad. Number two. Have you ever seen a cake at anyone's draft party? Well, I'll tell you this. We don't see everyone's draft party. We but, saw his because he's obviously seen, who he is. But we've seen a lot of people. Have you ever seen anyone put cake in their in their girlfriend's face? Maybe we haven't seen it. No. We, as I said, we haven't seen these, these stories for these that. other players. And for the simple fact that, that he completely lied to, to, to America. He lied and said he was all about football and working hard. No, he's not. Apparently not. You know? And, and when you lie like that, and when you deceive, and when you're doing all that, uh, you're a pussy. All right, let's You're a pussy. A, if anyone should have won the award, it should have been Johnny Manziel, but he's holding himself like a true gentleman. He's holding himself like, like an athlete. The, his his, his uh, p- uh, post-draft speeches were great. He knows he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. We haven't heard one thing about it. If anyone should have won the award, it should have been him. But I'm giving him higher credit. I'm giving him more points. He is moving his way up on my book because he's saying the right things, 
but his teammates, about working hard, and until he does something otherwise, I'm going to give him the credit. Michael Samo is giving credit to also, until this debacle. I'm done. You Okay, you've had your Michael Sam say. I believe I let you go go on with that and didn't really interrupt you too much other than the one thing where I said about the, the yeah, cameras not being and in the I locker room. That. I didn't want to give a co-pacification. So, so, thank you. So, now here's my response to some of what you said. I think that, first of all, it's, it's, it's not even in dispute. His agents did secure this deal a month in advance, which to me actually leads to another question that you didn't mention, but... Do you think it's possible then that the NFL had a vested interest in his getting picked? In other words, once it got down to just a few picks left, do you think the NFL may have said, look, somebody take this guy? Because it's in our vested interest that he's actually drafted by a team. And I know he would have been signed as an undrafted yeah. free agent. They wanted it on national TV. They you would think though. so, right? So that there's that, but all but to just address the fact that he secured uh, or his agent secured this deal for him, you know, a, a month before the draft started. What I would say to that is, I think he had to say to the teams, "Look, I'm not going to be a distraction." Da, 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 da. He can't say, "Look, I, my, I'm going to have this documentary," because then there is a very strong possibility that nobody would have picked him. So I think he had to be, you know, you could call that deception, but Tony, I think it's, it's just not, I think it's just omission. No, it's deception. But I mean, it's see, not omission, it's deception by omission. He would have been doing himself a disservice, though, but had it, he it's not. It's deception, though. But he still would, you would have done the same thing. But, you but, would have done the okay, same thing. Okay, and then I would have won a pacification of America award on somebody else's maybe, podcast. Maybe so, but you would have done the same thing with but, that. But I probably would have never, I'm more of an athlete. Than anything, I, I would never have agreed to the reality show unless the money figure was was that good. Well, there's that. That's also there. It's possible that he could be getting that. And I mean, hey, there's no guarantee he's going to make this team. There's no guarantee he's ever going to make an NFL team. I so he's, he could be securing his future. Number one, number two, and here's another thing to think about, Leo. This whole thing is bigger than him. He's the first guy to do this. If by his, if by showing his story on. You know, and it's Oprah Winfrey profiling this. And look, this isn't her show on ABC, so it's not going to be as many people watching. But still, people watch Oprah Winfrey, okay? And if his story can help a teenage teenage kids or athletes or anything like that, I mean, I just this story is bigger than just himself. And maybe he was convinced by his agents or whatever that your your story has a place that this transcends football and that. He's trying to, you know, maybe he's not trying to change, but that his coming out has the power to possibly change a segment of American society, which is sports. Because, look, it's not a big deal anymore when actors come out or when musicians come out, but it is in the sports world still. And maybe but that won't I be the case in 40 years. I don't respect the lies. I don't respect the liar. I think the big thing is going to be what his teammates think. And... One of his teammates, an anonymous Rams player, yeah. well, I, would, I wouldn't go that far, but one guy said, you know, he said he wasn't going to be a distraction, and now, you know, could this be a distraction? Basically, he was, he was voicing his concerns. He didn't flat out call him hateful things or anything like that, but he, basically, this player was voicing his concerns. And what I would say to that is, I don't know if that player had the information that the agent said, hey, there's not going to be anything in the locker room. So in other words, if the players don't have to talk about it, if there's no cameras there, then what do they care? What do they care what this guy does when he goes home because, talking because, to the cameras? What do they care? Because. Why do they care because, what he does? Because he's not, you need, 
to be, to be he is unique though it's are they jealous i mean it's not no, but he, he has every he right to do it i know but it, it, it's he's not gonna have his mindset in the games or in the practices his mind's gonna be elsewhere i think his mind is gonna be doubly on trying to make I don't. the team he's determined i mean he's he's he has to know that he's facing an uphill battle at least but let's put it this way he's not gonna be in the defensive line rotation, getting snaps, trying to sack the quarterback. If he makes the team, it's going to be as a special teams player. It's going to be as a guy who yeah. has ability to you know to get sacks, but it's going to be to create havoc on special teams. And special teams are important in today's NFL. Let's face it. You you talked about that. We've talked about that many times. That it changes field position and things like that. So if he could be a gunner on special teams, or if he could be a tackler on special teams to chase hunt a guy down. Whatever the case might be, that's his best chance to make this team. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, Tony, I just need to ask you one thing. Have you seen his boyfriend? I have. He's an Italian guy. Apparently, race relations are fine now because no one said one thing about him having a white boyfriend. So apparently, interracial marriage or interracial dating is okay in, in society now. You can't be gay, but if you if you inter, if you inter, interrace date, you're fine. Because not one person has said anything about his boyfriend being white. That's good. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. You know, the, the guy's not a looker, obviously. Um, Which one? Well, I don't, I don't judge Michael Sam. I, well, I can't judge a black person. But so you don't think the white guy's good looking? I, do, I don't think he's that good looking. Well, the guy's name is Vito Camisano. He is Italian. He was a former swimmer at the University of Missouri where they both went. So they're both athletes. He does have a really good swimmer's body, I can tell okay, you. I, I've seen yeah. shirtless pictures of him. Um, he definitely is very, very much in shape. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll address here, too, as far as you saying everything is staged and, staged and stuff like that. Look, I definitely agree with you that I think the whole cake thing and everything like that, that's probably going to go on the Oprah show and everything. I mean, he was crying his eyes out. He's not an actor, so that certainly was not faked. That's, it, he's a, he's a was, very emotional guy. He's was, a very emotional guy. a little over the top. He's a very, very emotional guy. I think this whole process has drained him. He didn't even know if he was going to get picked towards the end there. I'm sure it was very emotional for then him. Don't go on Oprah because there's going to be more emotion well, in we'll the see. locker room. When, when, we'll see. When somebody towel whips him. I told you there's no, not going to be any cameras in the locker okay, room. Okay, and they're going to towel whip him. You, remember, you know how like, you roll up the towel and you snap it on somebody's ass? Just playing a joke? No, I think I think I don't think there's going to be anything like that. First of all, I think there's going to be a clear director a directive from Jeff Fisher and the and management that you're not going to do anything like that to this guy. And also, I actually like the fact that he came out and said he didn't say this in so many words, but he essentially said, "Look, I'm not Jonathan Martin. I can take care of myself. If somebody comes after me, I'll have at it with them." I don't know if I've heard that. So I don't know about this. I don't know about this douche. He's absolutely said, "I can take care of myself." He He's can't not- beat up. You, you're telling me right now he he can beat up. A Jake Long. What I'm telling you is that he's 260 pounds and he's not going to back, even if a guy's 320. I mean, what I'm saying is, is he may not beat up Jake Long, but he's not going to back down. If he's questioning him, he's going to say, you have a problem, say you're, something to me. You're, tell, you're, ta- you're, ta- you're, you're telling me he can beat up Sam Bradford? You definitely could beat up <laughs> Sam Bradford. I don't know, not with all those clubs. You could beat up Sam Bradford. The guy's made of glass. The he's made of glass. Okay, well, what about the other Rams quarterback they picked up this year in the draft? Garrett Gilbert? No, the guy they picked up in the draft this year. Garrett Gilbert is their yeah, sixth round the, pick. I am out the of draft, Texas. I am the draft. Out of Texas. Well, he know he went. He transferred to uh, SMU to play for oh. June Jones. He was on Texas. Okay, years ago. yeah, he could beat that guy. That guy up. So can he beat up Isaiah? I I want to pee on your face. 
And Isaiah Pete, surprisingly, is still on the Rams roster. They actually released Daryl Richardson, another one of their running backs today, and they kept Isaiah Pete on the roster, which was a little bit of a surprise to many. So, all right, Leo, look. All right, we've talked about Michael Sam here. Let's move along to the actual NFL draft because, of course, this was just a highly, highly entertaining and compelling draft, not just because of Michael Sam, obviously, but you know we chronicled this on our show last week. The, the fall of Johnny Manziel sort of was really, really compelling and made for dramatic television, especially when Dallas was on the clock at 16. I mean, I think, I think that was Twitter... One the, that was one of the biggest chokes ever. I think Twitter would have absolutely exploded. I, I, don't, I, I think the universe might have exploded if Dallas had taken yeah. Johnny Manziel. It would have been crazy. So, Leo, let's, this is the first thing I want to do here. I want to do a list segment where I, I give you what I think are the 10 time or the 10 kind of the big time steals of the draft. I'm just Ever? kidding. Really? No, okay. no, and just in this draft. Oh, this draft, okay. In okay. this draft only, and then we'll talk about, you know, moves we liked, moves we didn't like, teams that did well, teams that did bad, things like that. So the list segment, as always, is brought to you by Golfsmith, the online retailer to go for all of your golfing and tennis needs, whether it's golf clubs, tennis rackets, shoes, bags, balls, accessories, it does not matter. They have you covered. So click on their banner on our website. You can get yourself a great 15% off deal. You help yourself out. You help us out. You help Abnormal Entertainment out, so check them out. It's Golfsmith. All right, Leo, the list segment for this week. We're just going to go in chronological order here. So we okay. can start uh, 1 through 10 here, chronological order, and I'd like you to comment on these picks as you see fit. Leo, Khalil Mack going number 5 to the Raiders. I thought it was an absolute steal that fell right into their laps. He might have been as good as Clowney or close to it, and the, you need franchise pass rushers. Raiders didn't have one, and they got one here. I thought it was a total but, steal. But... Will he become a black hole in Raiderland, just like many, many, many first-round draft picks become in Oakland? Uh, um, recently so, the number two pick overall in the draft, that offensive lineman, his name... Well, obviously, we know they missed on Robert Gallery, yeah, and Gallery. we know they missed... Well, they really missed on, uh, obviously, Jamarcus Russell, we know that. Yeah, there's two right there. But why I think this is such a good, sensible selection and, and fell right into their laps was because this guy has... The measurables and the intensity, and he's a, he's unlike Clowney. He has no questions whatsoever about his motor. Uh, he's a violent player, as we talked about when they made the pick. He's not just a pass rusher. He can play coverage. He can play the run. I just thought it was a fantastic pick, and I, I think it was a real steal for them. All right, Leo, the next one I'm going to go to, at number two here, it's Aaron Donald going at number 13 to the My Ramps. I just thought this was a home run pick, and I couldn't believe he fell to 13. And I know it's not a dramatic fall, but... You could make the case he's the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. I think it gives him just a ferocious defensive line. And, you know, there were other picks. I mean, you knew receivers were going to go in the top 13. You knew maybe a quarterback or two. We didn't know. But this guy is just, he just seems like a can't-miss, surefire player. And to get him at 13, a run-stuffing and pass-rushing nose tackle, I, I, mean, I just thought it was a home run. Sounds good to me. I mean, I don't know much about him. It you know, you you loved it when it happened and you praised him, so I'll give it to you. I really, really did. I mean I thought he could go as high as seven or eight, so I, I just I thought it was a fantastic pick. And couple that with their Robinson pick at number two, which I'm not gonna say it's a steal because it was the number two pick, but just two fantastic players to get in the top thirteen of the draft. All right, Leo, at, at the next one here at number three. Ha ha. Oh, ha great, ha Clinton Dick. That was a great great steal, great steal. You love the name. Um, to the Packers at number 21. And it's just like the Packers just get better and better. Yeah, I mean, Ted Thompson just sat back, 
let the player come to him. He just, I, I mean, I assume that... And the he, Packers got an even better pick later on in the draft with that speedy wide receiver. I actually will talk about that, so stay oh, tuned for that, oh, Leo. Fuck. Stay tuned. Fuck. Stay tuned for that. But yeah, Clinton Dix at 21. Safety is such an important position in today's NFL, the way that teams flood the field with receivers and pass-catching tight ends. And you've got to have rangy safeties who can not only hit but also cover. And he fits the bill perfectly. And it was an area of need, too. So it was just, just a fantastic pick and a steal. All right, Leo, the next one, it's the very next pick. We've got to say this. Johnny Mandel at number 22 oh, for the yeah. Browns. A perfect pick for the Browns. They needed somebody. And, and right away, their season tickets went up by, like, what, 20% more season tickets were bought the day after. Yeah. I mean, just for that alone, it was a great pick. He gives the Browns an identity now. I agree. That they never had. And I know you agree because I said it. It's just, in my opinion, you know, either Dallas or Cleveland or a team that just needed some sort of identity. You know, but if he goes to Jacksonville, I don't like that pick for Jacksonville because I don't like him in Jacksonville. I like him in Cleveland. Blue-collar city, you know, hard-working. And it gives, the team so, it gives the fans something to believe yeah. in. But beyond that, you have to be, you know, obviously you have to be convinced that the pick's going to work. And, I mean, I think he has as good a shot as anyone. And at 22... I mean, I just felt like it was a good trade. 22 or 24? At 24, or 22 they got him. Did they? Okay. And I just feel like it was a good move to go back up into the first round to get him. All right, Leo, the next one here, we're going to go to the second round now. Marquise Lee, number 39 overall to the Jaguars. I just thought it was a total steal. This guy is first round, first round talent. If he had come out last year, he may have been a top 10 pick. USC, as you mentioned, had terrible quarterback play last yep. year. And I know he had a knee injury, but it's not like it was a devastating knee injury, and he should be fine from that, you know, this year. And and he, he he's just he's the type of player as a second rounder. It's tremendous value for the Jags. I just don't like him going to the Jags because he might wither away in in. In mediocrity. Well, I'm going to talk about the Jags' plan later on, too, but I, I thought this was an absolute steal at 39. I mean, he could have been picked at 20, and nobody need, would have batted need, an eye. They needed offensive weapons. They got one. I just hope he just doesn't wither away in mediocrity and, you know, where he's triple-teamed every play because there's nothing else going on. Well, I don't think that he will be. I mean, they have Cecil Shorts. They have Marquise Lee. They have another guy they drafted, uh, Allen Robinson from Penn State. And they do have Ooh, Justin Blackman if he ever comes back. He's and he may not. He may year. not. For the year. He, he may not. So, all right, let's move to the next one here, Leo. I thought getting Coney Ely at the 60th overall pick for the Panthers was a total steal. This guy was mocked in the first round in most mocks that I saw. A pass rusher, one of the better pass rushers in the draft. Because this was not a, you know, this is a very deep draft, but it wasn't noted for a ton of great pass rushers. And I know the Panthers maybe didn't, that wasn't the biggest need on their team. But at number 60, to get a guy with a first-round grade, I, I'll never, ever fault the team for doing that. Let's move to the next one here, Leo. You're going to like this one because I have Morgan Moses, which was the second pick of the third round of the Redskins. And I think that was an absolute steal. Why? Well, I feel like this was another guy who could have went late in the first round and nobody would have batted an eye. He is a big mauling guy. He needs some refinement on his pass protection, but that's the, that's an easier thing to coach. If a guy's not a road grading run blocker, there's just nothing. There's not that much you can do. But he said he has the athleticism. He might be a little stiff, as I said, but I think that's something that can be coached up. Uh, and it was a need, and to get a guy of that value in the third round, uh, I thought I thought it was a good move for uh, for Jay Gruden and company. Uh, the next pick here. This is another Rams pick, Leo. Trey Mason, the Auburn running back, 
with the 11th pick of the third round, I thought was really, really nice value. Trey Mason might have been the best pure running back, as far as running back, just running ability. He may have been the best one in the entire draft, and there were some knocks on him for bad pass protection, and he is coming off a wrist injury. But you pair him, and not necessarily pair him, because I think Zach Stacy will certainly get the majority of the, of the work, as he should, but Trey Mason gives you future... Uh, potential at the running back position, and he could be a, like a thunder and lightning type of guy this year. He's got real ability, and in the mm-hmm. third round, I thought that was a nice, nice pick. Um, the next one here, the Notre Dame uh, run-stuffing defensive tackle, Lewis Nix the third, going with the 19th pick of the third round of the Texans. I was like 83 or something like that. Absolute steal. He was talked about as a late first rounder. They got him in the third round late. It was just really? a total steal. He might be as good as Timmy Jernigan, who went 40 picks earlier to the Bears. And, and that was a fine pick, too. Uh, but that was just absolute highway robbery by the Texans. And then the final one I have here, the 10th one, Leo. Zach Mettenberger, the big-arm quarterback oh, out no, of LSU. No, no. Leo. Leo, the second pick of the sixth round. A sixth-round pick. With his talent and arm strength, I know he had a torn ACL. And I know there were some character concerns with him, but as a sixth round pick, you're risking almost nothing. I don't like I don't like that pickup. He has good talent as a sixth round pick. You know who I like as a pick? Who? The Patriots quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're gonna get to that a little later too, Leo. You might be surprised or not and surprised. The top maybe, ten worst picks to see to see where I have that. So Interesting. All right, that has been the list segment. Those are my ten big time steals of the NFL draft. Let's move along now, Leo, to trades that I liked. Let's go trades that I liked in the NFL draft. Okay. First one, and this has to lead it off. You have to love the Browns picking up Buffalo's first round pick next year and their fourth round pick next year. Only to move back five spots from four to number nine. And then they ended up moving from nine to eight. Mm-hmm. But still, to get their first round pick next year, highway robbery. Oh, yeah. They don't, I mean, they didn't give up anything for a furry free first rounder that could be a top three pick. It could be top three. And yeah, they're going to have two good first round picks next yeah. year. And they got, you could maybe argue that Sammy Watkins was higher on their board than the guy they ended up getting at, ended up being at eight, Justin Gilbert. But they still got a big time corner. And again, the first round pick next year. It's so important. All right, the next one here, we're going to stick with the Browns. Leo, the Browns getting Manziel at 22 to trade back up to get him. I thought it was a nice move. They had the ammo to do it, and they still obviously kept the Bills first rounder next year and everything like that. So love that move. The next one here, Leo, I loved the Saints moving to number 20 to nab Brandon Cooks. The wide receiver with all kinds of speed. They needed, a, they needed somebody to stretch the field. I agree. Another weapon for Drew Brees. Marquez Colston is injury prone and getting a little bit long in the tooth. And remember, the Eagles and the Chiefs were going to pick right after that. And they had an absolute need. And the Eagles would have taken Cooks. I'm pretty sure about that. And so to move up, to make sure you get him, fantastic the only, move. The only thing I don't like about Cooks is that it's absolutely horrific, horrific champagne. It's one of the worst champagnes out there. <laughs> is it really? Cooks is one of the worst. Corbell's even better. I'm not not a champagne oh, guy. So that, that's know. the champagne you drink when you when you wanna when you want the worst headache in the world the, the, the next morning. <laughs> Spend the extra cash. Don't buy four dollar champagne, people. Don't buy Cooks. The next move that I like, Leo. Again, this involves your Redskins. I thought it was a smart move for them 
to move back from the second pick that they had of the second round. They were going to pick at number 34 overall. They moved down a few spots, and they picked up an extra third rounder out of it. Mm-hmm. And when you're a team that, look, they lost all those picks in the RG3 deal. Yep. They needed as many picks as possible. So to just stockpile a little bit and pick up a, you know an extra player there, thought it was a fine move. Uh, and again, Morgan Moses was uh, their third round pick. So I, I thought that was a smart move. Um, I liked the 49ers trade, and this is going to be an interesting next two things that I talk about, but... I like the 49ers trading uh, for Steve Johnson. They gave up a fourth-round pick. And the reason I liked it is because their GM, Trent Balky, with his wheeling and dealing... Bartakamos? He recouped the fourth-rounder in the trade with Miami. So we got the fourth-rounder oh. back anyway. And so they essentially got him for nothing. They essentially got Steve Johnson for nothing. And look, I'm not saying Steve Johnson's all-world, but he'll be a solid enough player for them. He'll get on the field in most of their three wide receiver sets, I would think. And so you know, he's, a, he's a proven guy. And so to get him for essentially nothing with what he ended yeah. up doing, good move. And then I'm going to kind of juxtapose this because Buffalo, the team that traded Steve Johnson, they got Bryce Brown for a fourth-round pick. And... They essentially traded Johnson for Brown, basically, mm-hmm. because they traded the fourth rounder, or, uh, or I mean, they traded Steve Johnson for the fourth rounder, then they traded a fourth rounder for Bryce Brown, so they essentially traded the two players, and Bryce Brown is much more needed for their team, because C.J. Spiller, I think, they last year it was obvious, he's not a, a, a 20 carry a game feature back, he's too brittle, too injury prone. Well, yeah, he's not, think, he's not that big of a guy. Yeah, I mean, I think they need to use him in a change of pace type of role and to throw him, throw him the ball a bit more, but not as a big time between well, that's the why they have Fred guys. Jackson. And he's 33 years old. It's so there's no on. That's old as hell for a running back, as we know. So Bryce Brown has a lot of talent, and I know it's running back, but he's a player who really could end up carrying the mail for them, maybe even as soon as later this year. So uh, to essentially trade the two players, it made more sense for them because they have wide. They traded for Sammy Watkins. I told you, Steve Johnson's probably on the block, and that ended up being right. So they didn't really have the need for Steve Johnson anymore. So I thought that maneuvering at least made sense for the Bills. Now, the one move, this is only the one trade. This is the trade I did, absolutely did not like, Leo. Mm-hmm. But the Buffalo, Buffalo giving up their first yeah. rounder for Sammy Watkins. I mean, they're not. If, it would be one thing if that's they're the that's the one player away from a championship, yeah. you know. But you're the Buffalo Bills. You're nowhere near contending. You have a developmental quarterback with EJ Manuel, and okay, you could argue that getting Sammy Watkins will help him. Okay, maybe it will. But this team is nowhere near contending. But and, but isn't Sammy Watkins just a little bit better than a Roscoe Parrish? <laughs> well, he's definitely good, but again, though, to give up your first-round pick next year, it's just such a steep cost for it. I mean, you look at the Buffalo, let's say everything went right for Buffalo this year. Could they maybe go 9-7? and seven? Maybe. But they're not a championship contender, and it's more likely that they go 7-9 and nine or worse than 9-7, and seven, I would argue. And then you're going to look to next year with no first-round pick. It's going to hurt them. There's a team that needs first-round picks, so I just thought it was way, way too much to give up. And they have a rookie GM, uh, Doug and you know, Whaley. And you know which trade I, I didn't like? What either? else? The Dallas Cowboys not trading for Manziel. Well, they didn't have to trade for well, him. I don't know how you don't fell get, into their lap. I don't understand how you don't get Manziel. I no, don't understand I thought, that. I, I, I already told you I thought it was the right move because with what they paid Tony Romo... It would have been a disaster so they want to, to st- trade him. They want to stay mediocre for for the. They want to stay in eight eight. The offense wasn't the problem last year. They had a historically bad defense. Historically bad. 
Now, and, and I think that it was weird that they didn't draft defenses on the second round. But that said, I, I didn't have a problem with them with them uh, not not taking Johnny Manziel. So, uh, Leo, it is time for us to take another break. I have some more NFL talk. Yeah, I need some more. I need some more rain. So stick around, folks. Leo's going to refill. Unprotected. A couple of quick updates here before we continue on with some thoughts about the NFL draft. Leo Washington has cut the deficit to seven points right now. They're down 58-51 to 51 with 7.45 to go in the third quarter here in Game 6. Indiana's still ahead, though. And the other breaking news that came today, Aaron Hernandez indicted officially on double murder charges. And this is not for the killing of Odin Lloyd that he's already in jail for. This is for, remember we speculated yeah. he could have killed men before? No, we didn't speculate. We knew he did. We did. We did. Yeah. And, yep, he was being indicted for, basically, and this is what happened. For those of you who may not know, he was at some club, got into a disagreement with a couple of dudes, but it didn't get violent at the time. Mm -hmm. The guys get in their car, they're driving home, Hernandez follows him, pulls up at a red light, and literally shoots him. And the car was filled with four people, the two in the front seats died, those are the two men that died, and um, the two guys in the back seat survived and were not hit. And they were able to, I guess, match up forensically because I guess he hid the car that he used um, and that maybe, night. Maybe, maybe the gun also. The he, yeah, the gun. it might have been in the car, but I guess he was hiding the car in a, in a storage facility somewhere and they ended up recovering it. So anyway, the, the Aaron Hernandez has never seen the light of day ever. He's, he's, he he's a, done. He's he's a, done. He, if, I don't know if, I don't know if uh, Massachusetts or where the killings took place. I think it was Florida, the, the first one. Was that no, Florida or Massachusetts? I don't believe so. I believe Massachusetts. And I, I don't know if they have the death penalty. They, they, they're too liberal. They don't. Yeah. So they I was going to say in Florida, he'd, be, he'd get the death penalty. He might. He may. I mean, they probably wouldn't have pursued it because he's a celebrity. But you're, you're right. You're right. I think I think had he not been a celebrity in another state, they may have. Because, I mean, he literally just executed those dudes. It's ridiculous. Um but yeah, Massachusetts, Leo, come on, it's too, too, too democratic of a state. I can't imagine they have the death penalty. So, All right, let us move along now to some more uh, tidbits about the NFL draft. Leo, I'm going to have teams that slayed it and teams that dropped the ball. So here we go. I already mentioned the Rams. I think the Rams really, really kind of the last part of the RG3 trade. They just killed it in this draft, getting Greg Robinson at number two who could be you know, they hope the kind of Orlando pace part two for them. And then getting uh, Donald at number 13, whom you called Luke Donald at the time, the great golfer out of England. Absolute highway robbery at number 13. It gives them a defensive line of Robert Quinn, Long, Brockers, and Donald. All of them first-round picks. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and all first, I mean, the Rams might be a favorite for the Super Bowl next year. Not a favorite, but... A, a, not with Sam Bradford. Yeah, that's, fix the thing, that. that's the thing. Yeah, they've got to fix that, but they have a lot of other things in place. So I'm excited for the future. Um, their next pick in the second round, LaMarcus Joyner, is really going to help them when they go to their nickel and their dime package. He's a good cover safety out of Florida State. Um, he was given some Tyron Matthew comparisons um, in this draft, and that's good. That's a good thing because Tyron Matthew can play. Um, Trey Mason, I already talked about him. And, I mean, look, the Michael Sam pick, assuming it doesn't distract the team, and I can't imagine it will. Because here's the thing. If he, if it is, they'll just cut him. It's no, so it's, it's a seventh-round pick. But now they might not. No, no. They, if it's they, a distraction, they, they're going to cut They wouldn't dare cut the first game player. Sure they will. Sure they will. Yeah, they'll, they will. They'll, they'll say it's, they'll say it's, it's racism. No, it's a, he's a seventh-round pick. If can he were, I, like, I a third-round pick... 
Can I get some light in this room? You need some light it's in this room. It's fucking dark as shit. <laughs> Hold it, on it, just it, a second. It's not, it's not as dark as, as Christian Okoye, but it's getting there. Hold on just a second. All right, is that better? That works. Just it works. I just I just did the clap. I did the clapper thing, and it and it went clap on. Clap on. Clap on. Clap off the clapper. Exactly. All right. The next team, Leo. This is no surprise. This team always seems to get it at the NFL draft. Recently, it's the 49ers. I already mentioned their GM Trent Baalke making that trade uh, to get Steve Johnson, but they ended up making 12 picks, and their first six players that they got yeah. were all players that at a certain point in the draft process were considered to be first-rounders. So, I mean, that just wow. amazing, amazing value. Jimmy Ward at number 30 was a fine pick. Hines' brother. Hard-hitting safety that'll give them, you know, they drafted Eric Ward last year, another safety, so they're going to have a young, a young, uh, a young, or Eric Reed, not Eric Ward, I'm sorry, yeah, Eric, Eric Reed. Reed. Andre Reed's brother. Eric Reed, I'm sorry. But yeah, young safety tandem uh, for years to come should be really, really good for them. Um, then their next five picks in order, Carlos Hyde, the running back out of Ohio State, could give be, be their lead from, guy in, in a couple years. From Hyde Park. Could be their lead guy in a couple years. They took the center out of USC, who was the last man in the green room, I believe, Marcus Martin. Yeah. He ended up being the second center taken. And his, I nickname, his nickname value. is my favorite, Martin. Good value there. Uh, they picked up a linebacker from Wisconsin, Chris Borland. They got Brandon Thomas, a lineman out of Clemson, at pick number 100. And and, and, and the, the story with him, isn't he the great-great-great-grandson from the original Thomas English Muffins? <laughs> I'm going to say no on that one. How video, do you know? If not for an ACL injury, this guy could have been a first-round pick. So they did that last year, too. Remember, they got Tank Carradine out of Florida State. He was coming off an injury. They did that with a couple of players. So they did, they're getting value. They don't have a ton of need on their football team. So what they're doing is, essentially, they get these guys who can redshirt for them, and they might be good for them mm-hmm. in a couple of years, and that's when they're going to need them. So just fantastic drafting by Trent Baalke. Uh, they also picked up Bruce Ellington, a wide receiver and kick returner out of Southern, uh, out of South, Car- uh, yeah, South Carolina. Um, so I just thought they killed it. Um, and then as wait, wait, I Bruce Bruce Ellington Bruce oh, yeah, Ellington yeah, yeah. yeah and I just thought with you know he essentially gave up nothing to get Stevie Johnson with his wheeling and dealing so I mean he just this guy knows how to handle the draft and he made a killing again um, the Green Bay Packers Leo I love their first three picks we, we already talked about Haha Clinton Dix yeah. here's where I'm going to talk about their receiver their second yeah. round pick Devonte Adams out of Fresno State he was a big reason that Derek Carr had the numbers that he did yeah. um, and I think they lost James Jones to the Raiders. I think he fits in well with what Aaron Rodgers does because Aaron Rodgers is such an incredibly accurate quarterback who can fit the ball into tight windows. And Devontae Adams has great hands. So if he's just open a little bit, I just I just think it's a great fit. And I think this year maybe he doesn't unseat Jarrett Boykin as the number three receiver, but I think he has the talent to do that um, certainly within the next couple of years. Um, and then they also picked up a big nose tackle, Kyrie Thornton out of Southern Miss. And the way B.J. Rogers plays really slipped, I think yeah. that could be a and big help. And his brother is with Marcus Thornton. Of the – God, what team is he on now in the NBA? I couldn't even tell I, you. Yeah, he he might, was on Sacramento. Might, I be the, even, might be in the D-League now. Yeah, I, I have no idea who he's on now. So, all right. The next team, Leo, I, I like what the Bucks did. And they didn't have a lot of picks. But the reason I like what Tampa Bay did here is – you know they have an underrated defense, and we know that Lovey Smith, for whatever offensive shortcomings he might have, we know that Lovey Smith knows defense. You would agree with that, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that's he, the one thing he does know. He knows defense. So since they have an underrated D, why not focus on offense with their first three picks? And that's what they did. And I, I like what they did because it's kind of given them 
it's given Josh McCown kind of a replication of why he was successful last year. We know they already had Vincent Jackson, who's like a 6'5 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans at number seven, you love him. I, I really do. That's that's a fantastic pick. He's like 6'6". Six, six. Him and VJs? I mean, serious? And then their second round pick was Austin Safarian Jenkins, another guy I think you liked. The tight end. I do, out of Washington. Tight end out of Washington. Huge, huge hands, former basketball player. Yep. Uh, yep. They're, they're just stacking like really tall. That's so great offense. I'm gonna pick up. I'm gonna have to pick up um, the quarterback for Tampa. McCown, you like McCown? I mean, is it McCown or Djax and Mike Evans and Safarian Jenkins are all six foot five or taller? So it gives what they're doing on offense, at least when they throw the football, it's an identity. They have an identity. They are giving Josh McCown a comfort level by trying to replicate what he did last year with the Bears' tall receivers. And, And maybe, and maybe that's what McCown loves: just throw it a little bit higher than normal. And that way, it's not going to be intercepted. To let them make plays. He's just comfortable with it, and and it's not. And they're good. I mean, Mike Evans is a good player. So, oh, I love know, Mike I, Evans. I was questioning whether they wanted to get a smaller receiver opposite Vijak, but wh- why not? Why not just flood the field with basketball and, players? Why not? Exactly, and just have one, it, and have one guy in the slot that is the fast guy, small right, fast right. guy. And imagine in the red zone. I mean, it's just going to be jump balls to these guys. Exactly. Exactly. So they have a, a they have a clear. You know, they had a clear. Thought process of what they wanted to do, and I think they accomplished it very well. And then some people would even question what they did in the third round, taking the running back out of West Virginia, Charles Sims. But, I mean, he's very good. And keep in mind, Doug Martin's coming off a serious shoulder injury. Mike James is coming off a fractured leg. I know that all too well. I picked him up, and then he hurt himself. Yep. So he gives them insurance for that. And, I mean, running backs are – they get – it's just – it could be a couple – Doug Martin might never – he had the one great rookie year. Who knows what's going to happen with him? So it gives them some possible insurance there. I just – I really liked what they did focusing on offense because they have a good defense. The next team, Leo, it's got to be the Browns. Has to be the Cleveland Browns. You could make a case that they made off the best of any team this year because uh, the, one, the one thing here – and let's talk about this because a lot of people are saying, well, why didn't they take a wide receiver with the Josh Gordon suspension, right? Mm-hmm. So – but, you know, I've been thinking about it. They have it. Josh Cribbs. They do not have Josh Cribbs. But who, who hasn't then? But here's the one thing that I think people are failing to notice. And that's, this is a team that, you look, they have a respectable defense and they have some emerging pieces. But ask yourself if this team is likely to contend for a title this season. The answer is no. The answer is no. They are not going to contend for a title this season. So You never know. Manziel is a game changer. Even if Johnny Manziel is very good, you, it's, it's not going to happen You're this counting year. him out. I'm not counting him out. I'm saying, though, with this year's team, they still have some work to do. And so why reach for a wide receiver just to marginally help you this year when the overall goal is building your team for the future? So they're going to get Gordon back eventually. The owners already said they're standing behind him. So when he, when he does come back, they're going to have him back eventually. And the players that they did get are going to help them at other positions. They represented good value. And remember, they fleeced the Bills. Yep. So they're going to have the two first-round picks. So they are setting themselves up for the future, and they got a possible franchise quarterback in Mansell. They got a great corner in Gilbert to op, uh, to play opposite Joe Hayden, and Gilbert's calling card is his athleticism and good ball skills. And so, with Hayden locking down the other side, he's going to have a chance to make plays, to make game-changing plays, to make interceptions, to do things like that. So, I I, I kind of like the vision that they had. I mean, I, I think a lot of a lot of people are criticizing him for. Not taking a wide receiver, but if you look at the big picture, they just didn't think there was value in the spots that they picked. Like, for example, at number 35 overall, people are saying, oh, why didn't they take Marquise Lee? But 
They picked up an offensive lineman out of Nevada, Joel Batonio, who's a very, very good player, and he's going to add a nastiness to their offensive line. You have to have a good offensive line, and they're adding to that. They have Joe Thomas already. who's one of the best left tackles. You know, you pick up this guy, mm-hmm. and it just adds to what you're trying to do. And I have no quibble with it, really. And I'm going to say, Leo, for fantasy owners, keep your eye on running back Terrence West out of small school Towson. Remember they traded. Towson. Remember they signed even Ben Tate. Remember they, they they signed Ben Tate, but he's yeah. injury prone. If this guy has a chance to go in, he could be a fantasy nugget. Just throwing that out there. Just okay. throwing it out. There. I know I don't know who Towson's team I'm, is. I'm gonna guess. I, I want to say Knights. I have Does no idea. Sound- you're going to have to look that one up for me. You, you, have, you have any guess? I, I honestly, I have no idea. I want to say nights for some reason. Let me look it up. I will let you look it up, and I'll go on to my next team, and you can interrupt me whenever you want. The Texans. The Texans made out huge. Obviously, we know they got Clowney at one, which is obviously, I mean, look, they got Jadavion Clowney. But they also got a haul of really good players. They picked up UCLA's guard, uh, Xavier Suafilo, uh, who's a Samoan guy. He's a road-grading, fantastic run-blocking player. It's going to start right away for them, I would expect. And he's a very, very good player. I happen to see Okay, Tony, Towson, they're black and gold. It is the Towson Tigres. The Tigers? Yes. The Towson Tigers. All right. I already mentioned uh, Knicks at 83 overall. The Notre Dame nose tackles. Stevie, total, Stevie Knicks. Total steal there. Maybe maybe he'll sing some, uh, some Fleetwood Mac for us, but total steal. Um, and then I don't even mind their fourth round stab at uh, Tom Savage, the quarterback. I think he might have as good a chance as any of the second tier quarterbacks. We don't know. Yeah, fourth well, round stab, not bad. Yeah. He's got a big arm, and I mean, Bill O'Brien's a quarterback who maybe he can get something out of him. So, Leo, here's the next team I'm going to go to. I like what the Jaguars did. I told you I'd talk about the Jaguars. I applaud them for having a clear vision. They they went with it. They stuck with it. I didn't think Blake Bortles was the best quarterback in this draft. You know that. But they did. Yep. They did. They made the pick at three. They didn't. Obviously, they didn't think that if they traded back, they didn't think Bortles was going to be there. Maybe he wouldn't have been. Uh, I thought he would have been, but maybe he wouldn't have been. And he was their guy. So they just took, the, they took him at three. And then after taking him in the second round, they just focused on wide receivers. To get him some weapons to grow with. And they Marquise Lee, we already talked about, a total steal at number 39. And then they get Allen Robinson, the other receiver out of Penn State. He put up big numbers over the last two seasons. Um, and so they have a vision of trying to improve their, their aerial attack and to grow with Blake Bortles. And I thought it was sound. I, I just thought I like the strategy. I mean, they, they're trying to help their quarterback. Unlike some other teams that didn't help their quarterback. And we might get to that a little later. But... Um, Let's move to the Raiders, Leo. The final team I'm going to talk about. I loved what the Raiders did. And this is the first time I can say that in a long time. Getting Khalil Mack at 5 was great value. What do you think about Carr at 36? I'm thought, not a fan. You're not a fan? No. But I, I, I thought it was worth the gamble at that spot again. It, it is he, worth the gamble. He could turn into something, but I just don't like that pick. I, 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 I mean, when you lose by 40 in a bowl game and you're the quarterback, I mean... Just had a bad game? Maybe. Or maybe he, I mean, obviously, look, there are some concerns with him. Can he handle pressure? But he does not have any concerns as far as his accuracy and arm strength. And so, you know, and he maybe, has a big brother to teach him, which is, which is the intangibles 
You know? Well, he's got the pedigree, but again, it's just going to be can he handle the pressure? And but I thought other even other than those two picks, I thought they found real value later. They got an offensive lineman out of Mississippi State, Gabe Jackson, who should start right away, and it's third round value. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And then they got a defensive tackle, uh, Justin Ellis, in the fourth round, who a lot of people are high on. So I thought Reggie McKenzie did a good job, and I'm surprised that I'm saying that because he had uh, terrible drafts in his first couple of years. So all right, Leo, finally. Teams that missed the mark. Are you ready? Yeah, are we still talking football? We are still talking football. The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Again. Of course. Of course. They, I mean, look, we already, we've talked about this. They gave up way, way too much to get Sammy Watkins. It's going to hurt him next year, and they're not a contender. And their second-round pick was the lineman out of Alabama, Cyrus Quanjo, who has major yeah. red flag injury concerns with his knee. And so to take that much risk with your second-round pick, too, just didn't like what they did at all. Leo, we've got to mention the Colts because of the fact that they lost their number 26 overall pick for Trent Richardson. They didn't have a first-round yeah. pick. And they only got one player that's likely to help them at all this in this year's draft. They got a lineman out of Ohio State, Jack Muhort. Other than that, no one's going to help them this year. They took a third-round stab at a wide receiver from Ole Miss named Dante Moncrief. Not going to crack the rotation this year at all. Oh, that's Sidney Moncrief's son, right? I ha- Maybe. I don't know. But um, to only pick up one player that's going to help you, and you're a playoff team, not really what Andrew Luck was looking for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. Uh, Leo, I didn't like two more teams here. New England. I hated what New England did. You talked about Garoppolo, but let's talk about what they what they did and didn't do. Look, Tom Brady's 37 years old. He doesn't have much of a window left, and New England isn't that far away. I mean, obviously, they made the AFC Championship game. They're perennial contenders. So I thought it was really curious that they did almost nothing to help themselves this coming season. I was really shocked. Their first-round pick, Dominique Easley, is very good, but he's coming off two ACL tears. Two. Not one. Two. He's probably not going to be able to play that well this year, if at all. What if, but if you're a gamer, you're a gamer. But he's not going to really help him this year. And as I said, Tom Brady's window is really closing. They didn't get him any weapons on offense. And it's not like this is a team with great wide receiving help. We know they have Jewish Lightning. They have yeah. Made of Glass, Danny M. And you don't Dola. like Garoppolo. Now, as a second rounder, I thought it was a total reach. I mean, I, I would equate him with like a guy like Savage. Whom Houston got in the fourth. Again, a second round pick Tom is Brady. value. Get somebody to help you now. Why get his yeah. successor? And he might not. And, he, and I, again, I think he's a reach. Get someone who's going to help you now. And also, too, Leo, their pick at number 130 overall, which is not, I mean, that's a pick that could help you. They took James White, a running back out of Wisconsin, who's very slow. Most people had an undrafted grade on him. I mean, this this is a spot where near where the Rams Dude, took Trey Mason. It's, Tom, it's, it's Belichick. He I, doesn't fail. You can't give them the benefit of the doubt every time. Last year, they also took, remember, they took Deron Harmon and Aaron Dobson, major reaches. And they don't look like they're going to pan out. They took each guy in like the second and the third round. I, I mean, are they just forgetting what to do? I mean, I don't know. I, I thought they did a really bad job, and I'm not afraid to call them out for it. And then finally... I know I mentioned to you that I liked Zach Mettenberger as a sixth-round flyer for the Titans, but I did not yeah. like what the Titans did overall at all. I have no idea what this team is doing. What is the vision of this franchise, Titan fans out there? The one possible place where they had decent depth was their tackle position. They have a good left tackle, Michael Ruse. They signed Michael Orr to play right tackle in free agency. Yeah. So why make the number 11 overall pick Taylor Luan? He's I good. I thought he was defensive tackle. No, 
He's, he's offensive. an offensive lineman out of Michigan. Why make him the pick on this particular team? I mean, I like the player, but... And don't, don't they still have um, Solder? No, Nate Solder's on the Patriots. Yeah, I thought I was talking about the Patriots. No, 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 I'm talking about the Titans now. Oh, fuck. I'm talking about the Titans that, now. Well, that's what I get for trying to work while... while yeah, try I'm, to keep up. Try all right, to keep sorry, up. sorry. But, yeah, I just I don't understand with left tackle and right tackle settled. I mean, okay, sure, you could trade one of your guys, but with the premium players that were available at the number 11 pick overall at other positions, I mean, Donald, they could have taken Donald, like the yeah. Rams did. Would have helped them out a lot. They had I a terrible like, run defense last year. But I did like one of the Titans picks. Bishop Sankey in the yeah. second round. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. I don't necessarily mind it. But again, this is a team with a ton of needs. So they could have gotten a running back later. I'm not saying Sankey's bad, but mm-hmm. I, I just I don't like what they did at all. Considering, like, I, I agree with you. That's the player who's probably going to help them the most this year. Yeah. And it's in a position that's like a dime a dozen position now. So. But but he's he, every team needs, like, one of those scat bats out of the backfield. You just need what you need. Well, one he's of those. probably going to be their feature guy. Sean Green is injured. not only bad, but coming off a knee injury, he hurt himself yeah. at, at their mini camp. So, um, at their voluntary mini camp, so he could very well be a, a lead guy. And I don't necessarily hate that. And so, again, for fantasy owners, it's all about opportunity for running backs. And Sankey may have one, but I just don't understand the pick of Luan. I would have picked somebody else besides Sankey and just went running back later. Um, I, I just when when your best pick is Zach Meckenberger, a flyer in the sixth sixth round. You love that pick though, but but not your best pick. I mean, I just and you know again and again. This is the thing. Luan might be a very good player for a lot of years, but there are a lot of other players who would have really really helped them. And and then again, where's the vision of the franchise? Why pick up Michael Lauren free agency at all if you were going to address your offensive line? It just makes no sense at all. It's a bad allocation of dollars. And I think their GM could certainly be on the hot seat if they have a bad year this year. And also keep in mind, this is the GM who drafted Jake Locker, who has not been able to stay healthy so far in his career. So, all right, Leo, let's take a break. We will be back with another segment in just a moment. Thank you. Unprotected. It's been a while, but he's back. And he's back with the Lion's Den. Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Cause the million dollar man always gets his way. <laughs> that was made for football, obviously, because you can make your picks beforehand, and the games are on Saturday, Sunday, etc., Friday sometimes. You know, it was made for that. When you're only having baseball and basketball and hockey to bet on, um, you can't make a pick three days in advance. I mean, even if you kind of know the matchups in baseball, things change. It's three days in advance. You know, things could happen. Sure, because if one team wins the two first two games of a series, the third, the, the other team has a good chance to win the third. Yeah. The sweeps are, aren't that common. You're right. You know, and just different things happen. Yeah. So there, there's no point in me make, having a Lions then when, when I'm betting three days in advance for sports that play almost every day. You know, it's just stupid. So, but I want the Lions then to happen because 
we got to give a shout out to the sponsor of the Lion's Den, and that is Jeff Joseph and his brand of t-shirts that's hot on the market. Mellow Apparel. Their shipping is a lot better than, they're going to ship to you a lot better than they ship to me because I still haven't gotten my shirt. <coughs> Jeff. Um, but their shipping to you is great. The shirts are awesome. Go to mellowapparel.com, right? Or just mellow.com. I believe it's apparel. Yeah, mellowapparel.com. M-E-L-L-O-W. We're in America, so the double L's are not a yay. They're an L. <laughs> it's not Mayo Apparel. It's Mellow Apparel. Check them out. Use the promo code LION. You get 30% off. That's a huge discount. That is a huge discount. Okay, I wanted you to say something there. Jeez. So go to Mellow Apparel and tell Jeff Joseph to mail us our shirts. With that being said, Tony, the only thing I can think of for the Lions then to give you guys right now is some future bets, you know? That's the only thing you can really do, you know? Is future bets. And what's coming up soon? Are there any major sporting events coming up soon? I can think of one. And it starts June 2nd. June 12th. June 12th. The World Cup. The Copa del Oro. The, the best, the, the second best sports event in the land, in my opinion. No, not the Copa del Oro. That's the Gold Cup. Yeah, what are you talking about? That's the Gold Cup. I don't know I'm Spanish. Sorry. Yeah, jeez. Okay, so the World Cup is starting. So you're going to have some World Cup stuff. What's world in Spanish? Globa? Uh, oh, no, the Copa Mundial. A Copa Mundial, yeah. The Copa Mundial. Yeah, because remember the commercial? Sprite! Yeah, yes. The official sponsor of the Copa del Mundo. Yeah, yeah, Copa del Mundo. Yeah, yeah. I even got it. Copa Mundial. Go ahead, go, continue. continue. Sneakers. Sneakers. So I'm just going to give you guys just a couple good future bets, a couple good um, lines on on what's going on right now on on to to, to win it all, because that's the only thing we can do right now. And as we all know, Brazil's the host and the favorite. And they're three to one. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I think obviously with their history in World Cups and being the host nation, they've got to be the favorite. No big surprise. You know, but but I'm not in the I'm not in the business to bet a thousand bucks to win three thousand. Right. If you're in that business, it's not a bad bet. You know, Uh, with with that being said, I have three teams for you that you might like. Okay. And the first one might be a homer pick. Oh, well, I already know where you're going since you said that. Uh, where am I going then? You're going to pick your Ruskies. Russia, Tony, they've been hot. They're in a, a quote-unquote easier group. They are in an easier group. So they have a good chance to come out of there, maybe get an easier second-round match, and then anything can happen, Tony. 75-1? to 1? It's not that bad. All right. 75-1. to 1. If you're the type that wants to throw 20, 30 bucks on yeah. something? I put 25 on it just to try to win a shitload. Okay. You know, to win two Gs, you know. All right, you know, you're going with it. Uh, like you said, I agree with the analysis completely in the fact that they do have a decent chance yeah. at winning their group and having an okay first game. After that, though, if yeah. they were to get to the quarterfinals, I mean, I think they'd be an underdog whoever they played, but they, you never know. They would be, but they've played, they played Germany to a tie this year before. I, I believe they've beaten two out of the top ten, ten teams. I think they tied Italy this year, too. They tied Italy also. I mean, yeah. they, they're, they're not that bad. They have a lot. All their players play in either Europe or Russia. Um, you know, they, they have a leader in Andrei Arashevin. You know, so uh, they have a chance. And their coach, Gus Hiddink. 
Really? Yeah. You, I didn't know yeah. he was their coach. I he, didn't know. He's been their coach. I've yeah. heard of him. Okay. Yeah. He, All right. So Russia at 75 yeah. to 1. You know, the next team, I, I'm, I don't endorse this, but I'm just, just for all you shits and gigglers, the U.S. Tony, 160 to 1. Wow. That is huge odds. I mean, that tells, you all, that tells you all you need to know about how difficult their group is. It's going to be tough for them just to get out of the group. And they have gotten out of the group the last couple of World Cups. I, I, do, I mean, it's going to be tough. That's not a bad bet either. That's not a bad bet, but it's not in the Lions Den, Tony. Uh, but who is in the Lions Den is England. The perennially underachieving Brits. And, and I shouldn't say Brits because this is just England only. This yeah. is not like Scotland with them or anything. No, the, this is the English. The original English. The three Lions. 25 to 1. They do have a hard group with Italy in their group. But I just like the fact that they have to get through sometime. Don't you think? Well, are you just saying maybe without... Increased expectations, you know, with decreased expectations, yeah. maybe this is the time. It is. It's Wayne Rooney's final time. Probably. David Beckham is not on the team. No, he's done. He's retired. So maybe this is the time where it's like no one has expectations. They're like, maybe we can do something. And you know, 25 to 1, you know, pretty good odds. Okay, so England to That's join your Ruskies. Team. Who is the third one? With that being said, I'm going to go with some other teams that are kind of the favorites. Argentina. Is four to one. I could see that certainly you know, close to home. That's you know obviously that's good. All the South American teams are have some great odds. You know a country like Chile that's terrible in soccer is forty to one. You I know? wouldn't say Chile is terrible. Colombia is twenty to one. I would like Chile over Colombia you know, personally. Germany five to one, and that's my third team, the Germans. Oh, the German Nazi five bastards. to one. They have ties in Argentina because all of the Nazis fled to Argentina after <laughs> World War II for safe asylum. So there's a lot of they have a lot of German people that live there. They're going to have some supporters, and for some reason, I really do think they're going to win it all. As as one of the favorites, the third favorite, I think they win it all. They're five to one. I like them. Germany. Well, I will say this: I would not put my money on Spain. I know they won the last World Cup, and I know they won uh, the last Euro tournament, yeah. but. I don't think they could win another major tournament again. I think their defense is showing some major signs of decline. They're aging in their defense. I, yeah, I just I don't see Spain winning. I mean, obviously, look, I think they get through out of the group stages. And Six I think and a half they, to one. Yeah, and I think they probably have a decent shot to get to at least to the quarterfinals. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm just not on Spain for this tournament. Not at all. Exactly. And my underdog selection, I don't think, I don't think they win at all, but I think they do have a nice showing. Uh, my underdog, as a team that no one kind of expects to do anything, my underdog showing from the African Republic, Tony. You know where I'm going with this? Well, if you're thinking Africa, could be Ivory Coast or could be Ghana. Ivory Coast has one of the worst draws. They're the draw of death with the U.S. Okay. But yeah. who, who do you have? I have Ghana. The Ghana, Ghanaians. Ria. The Ghana, the Ghanaians, the team that should have beaten last in, in the South American uh, I'm sorry, the South Africa. Yeah, in World South Cup. Africa. The missed penalty kick, they would have won that match. They're 240 to 1. They're not going to win it all, but they might surprise some people. Okay. Ghana, Rio. That has been a look at the Lions Den. That, or that has been a look at the World Cup, rather, coming up next month in the Lions Den. We might have, an, we might have expended, an expanded World Cup so, uh Show. I think we're going to have to at least yeah. look at it in some level um, as far as the yeah. group outlet and exactly. stuff like that. The group outlook and things like that. Okay. Nelly, get us on out of the den, please. Now, if you want to go and take a ride with me, we'd be willing to go with the go-sees. So
Jumping right along out of the lion's den and straight into the Jerry Sandusky Award. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids. Period. Fucking don't talk to me, alright? Knock it off! Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. I need you to do me a huge favor. Can you please take your name off your phone? My wife went through my phone and uh, maybe call you. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Did the jury in the involved title action find the defendant, Owenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder? People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Am I sexually attracted to yes. underage boys? Sexually attracted? You know, no, I, I enjoy young people. I... I love to be around them. Um, I, I, but no, I'm not sexually attracted to young boys. Leo, it has been a while since we have been into the Jerry Sandusky Awards segment with all of our shows off or weeks off. And last week, we just qu- kind of quickly gave it to Donald Sterling. So it's been a little while. We've only had three winners in the second quarter, so we're going to have to move it along. But we have the Fort Hood shooter. We have the city of Donetsk. And we had Donald Sterling from last week, so I have four nominees this week, Leo. Uh, we're a little pressed for time because you have things to do tonight, so let's get through these four nominations. Wow. So the first nomination, we've done this before, we've done countries before, we've done African countries before. Leo, the nation of Sudan has done something very, very bad. What? Do you know what they have done in Sudan? Sudan. I, I know Sudan is where Manu Bola's from. And that's all I know. Well, what I can tell you that they've done here this week is a woman in Sudan has been sentenced to death. Why? By stoning, probably, right? Why, might you ask, has she been sentenced to death? She's been sentenced to death because she's a Christian. She's a Christian and not, I mean, I don't know what the hell, that, I mean, assuming, is it, is it, are they Muslims in Sudan? I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I'm not sure, but I, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's not relevant. The fact that a nation, uh, that a Sudanese court can sentence a woman to death for what's being called the most serious of crimes I thought the, no, it's I thought, stunning and appalling. Haven't they, haven't they sentenced to death gays there also? Or is that another well, that's African the, country? That's in, I'm, I don't know if that's one of them, but that's certainly something in Africa that I does happen. I know it's happen. in Nigeria. I need to pronounce that correctly. Yes, Nigeria. They do that. Um, and well, well, maybe she should denounce her Christianity. Leo, you are very, very astute when it comes to world capitals. This is a tough one. Do you know the oh, capital Sudan. of Sudan? Oh, yes, because I have it right here in the article. I, I, uh, I that one. I, I want to say it starts with a C. Uh, a K. Okay. Which is a big clue. It is. It's it a is. big clue. Uh, Kabul is a K H. Khartoum. 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 Yeah. Khartoum. Yeah. So Leo, there's another layer to this story. The woman is pregnant. So they're going to do a double killing. The woman is actually pregnant. And the husband 
is... Is he Christian? The husband is Muslim. What the... F- so so that- she's been convicted of adultery. She's been sentenced to a hundred lashes. And... Is she pregnant with somebody else's baby? This is actually this is actually unbelievable. Let me let me let me actually yeah, read res- it, read it to me. Let me reset this. This is actually unbelievable. So okay, so the wife is pregnant. She refuses to recant her Christian faith. The husband, whose name is Daniel Wani, is obviously says, "I'm just praying." The court in Khartoum convicted his wife, Miriam Yeya Ibrahim, who is 27. Um, has convicted her of these crimes. Ibrahim is Christian, so that's the wife. But the court considers her to be Muslim. The court also because convicted of her, name. her, her name, Ibrahim is Muslim of adultery and sentenced her to a hundred lashes because her marriage to a Christian man is considered void under Sharia law. So uh, it appears that it is a Muslim nation. Uh, I suppose that's not a surprise. And. During the sentencing hearing, a sheikh told the court, quote, how dangerous a crime like this is to Islam and the Islamic community. So once again, what we have is just absolutely, absolutely backwards thinking. And obviously her legal team says it's going to appeal and it's drawing swift condemnation from human rights organizations, etc., etc., but uh, if this, if they end up going through with this again, it's just yet another black mark on, you know, backward Muslim nations. Let's face it. So that's the first nomination, Leo. Another nation. This one in Africa, Sudan. The next one, Leo. This is the one that's ripped from the headline. So we're not going to spend a whole ton of time okay. looking at this. Everybody knows about this story. Nigeria, another country. The whole thing about the kidnapped girls and the prisoners and all that stuff. Um. Self-explanatory. We don't need to go into it. So we have two African nations vying here for a possible oh, send us. Neither, neither in the World Cup. Although Nigeria normally does. They make normally it. are in. Yeah, they might. They, are they? They might be in the. No, I'm not sure. I don't know how many African teams make it. Three or four. I think it might be a little bit more or, than that. But you're, you're definitely. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure. All right, the next nomination here, Leo. Um, this is another really unfortunate story where a lot of people might be familiar with this. Uh, the woman's name is Julie Schenecker. She's 53 years old. She is, or she was, a military wife. This is the story where the she killed her kids. She killed her two kids, a son and a daughter, who were 11 and 13. Uh, she was uh, a soccer mom, and she killed the son first, shot him in the head and mouth, and then she drove home and did the same to the daughter. She had bipolar disorder. She's very mental, obviously, unfortunately. And the defense was trying to argue that, look, her state was impaired at the time, so she shouldn't be sentenced to death because she really is insane. And the prosecution was like, look, she took the time to order this gun. She took the time to plan this. They showed her journal where she's talking about it. So they say she was calculating. And the jury agreed. She got convicted. Um... Uh, this, this is a story that I know got a lot of news attention, obviously, because it's a military thing. Um, she did get convicted, and she got convicted, uh, or she got sentenced to um, a life sentence without the possibility yeah. of parole. Actually, two life sentences, but she, she's no possibility of parole. So, another case of mental illness, possibly, kind of unfortunately. You know, we see it, we see it happen, but... Uh, 
Julie Scheneker. She is the third nomination this week. The fourth nomination, Leo. Uh, six. This is a this a six person nomination here. We have six people nominated Good. for this. Good. Okay. Something has happened in North Carolina. This is a small county in northeast Louis, uh, North Carolina. Northeast Perkamans County. It's called. And the checks out perky tits. <laughs> six six brothers ranging in age from nineteen to twenty seven have apparently been sexually abusing their sixteen year old sister for eleven years. From the time of she was four oh, to the time that she was fifteen. That's disgusting. They and, they won. They're, they're, they're the winners. They won. And the two parents allowed it. So, eight so it's, an eight, it's an eight-person eight person. nomination. We're gonna we're gonna publicize these people so everyone knows oh, who they are. That they won. They won. The parents are age sixty-five and sixty-four, respectively. John Jackson and Nita Jackson, and these are all white people, by the way, because I know you're thinking they're black. I can see it in your eyes. No, I I have friends in in Ohio. This girl that I had a crush on uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. Her, she married a white guy. His last name was Jackson. So, well, Nita. I thought you might have well, thought Nita, Red Nita. You know, I don't know. But Nita Strong went after that. The brothers' yeah. names are Aaron, Benjamin, uh, Nathaniel, Matthew, John, and Eric. And, and what's 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 curious about those names? They're all Bible names, except maybe Eric. But they're all Bible names. Yeah, except probably except for Eric. But yeah. all the other ones are like the main characters in the Bible. So this is just a crazy, crazy story. And it does show, I guess, that, that uh, the police are saying that at one point the the mother observed some of this activity, never did anything. And obviously, She's probably scared. Obviously it's been ongoing for so many years. But even if you are scared, I mean, you have an obligation daughter, to, your, to as a parent. To, yeah. Exactly. So you have to do something. So that's why uh, the parents are being charged as well, of course. Um, the parents are being charged with um, felony child abuse, and the all the brothers are being charged with anything relating uh, or, or anything ranging from rape to sexual assault. So no big surprise. So Leo, you say it's just they win; it's automatic. Well, let me hear the, the last nominee. I'm gonna. No, that's it. Those are the four. Oh. We have the the military mother who shot her kids. Yeah. We have these eight people, and then we have the two African nations warring with each other. We have Nigeria or Sudan. Who's it going to be? I'm going to go with the fucking backwards family. Okay, I, I'm going to go with the eight with the eight men with the eight man tag team crew. The Jacksons, if you're nasty. The Jackson Eight. The Jackson Eight. Yep. Wow. But All right. Do you, I mean maybe the Jackson Seven and a Half? Because I think the mom might have just been scared. To do anything. No excuse. She's the one who even has... You're a mother. You have to protect okay, your kids. Okay, the Jackson 8. Yeah, so the Jackson 8, all right, they win it. We'll be right back to wrap up the show. Stick around. Unprotected. Our 109th show is over. Leo, thank you so much for joining me. Um, heavy on the NFL talk, but we also got a lot of other stuff in. I mean, we got stuff in about, you know, not just uh, as it relates to football, but society. We talked about Michael Sam. Um, you know, NFL playoffs, or I'm sorry, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. Clippers game is going to be tipping off shortly. Uh, the Wizards have just lost. The Indiana Pacers have polished them off, a team that I absolutely could not figure out, but they get it done in six games, so they will be playing the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, a series that I expect the Heat to win pretty easily, even though Indiana has the home court. 
I, I wouldn't think that it would go beyond six games. Maybe Indiana can, since they have the home court advantage, maybe they could win a couple of games. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the series only goes four or five games, to be honest with you. Um, Leo, it's going to be interesting to see in a couple of years. What I mean, I- Igor Oshansky. Igor Oshansky, uh, Russian Jew. Okay, so if there yeah. was a Russian Jewish yeah. player. Because I just had somebody, somebody Facebook me right now. The, the the honorable Jeff Joseph, the honorable from from, from Mellow Apparel, uh, that w- that went against my rant that said that said, well, if he was talking about the Michael Sam case, you know, and how I was appalled that he's going on a reality show and it's not about football, and he said, well, if it was a Russian Jew, you'd be singing a different tune. Well, Jeff, Igor Olshansky, Russian Jew. There's been Russian Jews in, in the NFL, so calm down. It's happened. I don't, you know, calm down. Just calm down. All right, we, we've got to get out of here. You have things to do, and B2 is about to get home shortly from his dinner, and we need to do things as well. What's he, who's he out with tonight? Uh, one of his coworkers. Oh, that's what he told you? That's what oh. he told me. Oh. <laughs> so, all right, we thank our sponsors, as always, Golfsmith, Mellow Apparel, and, of course, also Origin, the makers of EA Sports, the John Madden game, you know, the whole thing. So, all right, Leo... For you, this has been Tony. I have been Tony. This has been Unprotected Sports, where we are always... Well, uh, Tony, I mean, my couch pulls out. I don't. Subscribe and download back episodes of Unprotected Sports and the Injury Bonus segment at abnormalentertainment.com slash unprotected sports. Search Unprotected Sports with Tony and the Lion on Facebook and tweet Leo at Legendary Leo. And for more podcasts, books, comics, blogs, and videos, head to abnormalentertainment.com. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.